0: Hello and welcome to Slam Ball Nation, an official Slam Ball podcast dedicated to what's in our humble opinion, the greatest sport on the planet. It's called Slam Ball. I'm your co-host, Brendan Kirsch, head coach of the World Champion Mob, and I'm joined by my co-host. He's a gentleman. He's a scholar. He's Coach Hernando Planel's Jr., head coach of the Buzzsaw, Coach H. It's been a week since I've seen you, and I just want to let you know you look amazing.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm not as stunningly and rugged ruggedly as handsome as you are but i just uh as i'm as i'm watching all those faces here i'm noticing that there's a drastic drop off in production value when it comes to coach hernando and his whole audio setup so we won't say anything about it uh we're not going to talk about it but i'm so glad to be back on slam ball nation podcast
0: Anytime you're recording from the car, it makes me so nervous. (laughs) I just feel like we're going to get 40 minutes into this thing, have you drop and be like, well, there goes the whole episode. You know what I mean? So we're going to keep our eyes on you, Coach H. All right. We've got an awesome show lined up today. In addition to just being us, which should be enough, we're really excited to talk about Series 7 and our way too early analysis on who we see as early favorites to contend for the championship. In fact, We'll go down our own personal projected standings for Series 7, which is sure to continue the trend of pissing a lot of people off, which we love to do. (laughs) But in addition to that, we have a very special guest today. I'm sure you see him if you are unfortunate enough to be watching this podcast. And again, I question you, you know, this is available on audio only as well. But Coach H, would you please do the honors and introduce our guest?
1: Absolutely. First of all, this gentleman that we have here today has a very regal name. Very regal indeed. He is known as the aerial guru, the aerial acrobatic instructor extraordinaire. I was about to call him a flight attendant, but I'm dead wrong. He is a flight specialist for the greatest sport on the face of the planet and beyond. If you do believe in aliens, so today we are bringing on the one, the only, jumping into the show. You like that pun there? Graves, everybody. Welcome to the show, Pat.
2: Thank you guys. I'm pumped to be here. Appreciate you having me. Let's do this. (laughs) Great intro, Hernando. I know you're not gonna follow that. that.
0: Coach H is the best. All right, Pat people are not gonna know you as well as they know Coach Hernando and I. I mean, we're big-time slam ball coaches that have coached on ESPN. They're like, who's this guy with the backwards hat? But you know what? Pat Graves is more famous than all of us because on his socials, he's known as Flipaday, if you don't follow him. He was also brought on by Slam Ball to not only be the aerial specialist, teaching the players how to be comfortable in the air, 15 feet in the air, which is a feat in and of itself, but also to teach safety and how to bail out and land. And Pat Graves is a huge reason why the injury rate was so low in slam ball this year, why the players jumped twice as high because they were so comfortable in the air. Pat, we're really excited to have you, my brother. And I just want you to start out by telling us your story, like Flip-A-Day on socials and everything. We want to hear that because we know it's awesome.
2: Right on. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, Flip-A-Day, actually, it kind of uh, spurred out of depression, believe it or not. Mm. Um, Flipping for me has been like medicine, like my whole life. I had a lot of heavier things happen to me as a kid. And I had a great great childhood, but um, those heavier things did weigh on me. And I found that when I was on a trampoline, all those heavy things were gone because I was weightless. So that kind of uh, just brought awareness to the fact that it can really help my my mental health as well as physical health. So fast forward to 2013, worst depression of my life. Um, Hmm. And January 1st, 2014, I was like, you know what i'm gonna do something at least once a day that makes me happy and this is back when vine was was popping off so i was like <laughs> six second video you're right? aging like, no. I, I, gladly wisdom <laughs> and experience that's that's why i keep the gray <laughs> <laughs> and so january 1st 2014 i was like well i can film myself doing a flip a day you know six seconds on vine like i'll post it to keep myself accountable And then my mission became to inspire happiness. So to encourage other people to find what makes them happy and get them to do it every day. And I intended on going for a year and I got to day 366 and was like, yo, I have not even come close to all the cool flips that I can do. Cause I felt like I had to ration them off, you know? And that year went by so fast. And I was like, well, I'm gonna keep going. And then it went for 1,115 days in a row. So.
1: Yeah, it was Over- unexpected. That is crazy. By the way, I just have to tell you. Now, when we're talking about you and, you know, when people, and honestly, when people th- think about jumping on a tramp, they just think it's like, woo, I'm in the backyard. Listen, there is such a special talent. I was just in Vegas and I was watching a Cirque Soleil show called mm-hmm. Ka. And these dudes oh, are yeah. jumping up and down. They're on these things. First of all, the the, mo- the first thing I heard said was like, you know what? dick." Pat Graves can do this bleep. I won't say the bad word because I can't cuss anymore. By the way, <laughs> I told everybody I've been bleeped by slam balls and I can't cuss. Anymore. But, I mean, talk about how you became the talented Pat Graves on the Tramp.
2: Man, uh, it's a, it was something that I actually started naturally doing because, you know, with this whole flip a day journey, um, I asked my mom, I was like, Mom, when did you start seeing me, like, flip and she said right after I turned two like I was like running and climbing on stuff she said I would climb on the arm of the couch and I just started throwing myself like end over end like little (laughs) front flips onto my back onto the cushions and she was like what the heck like that's crazy and then I vividly remember seeing the Olympics uh, the 1992 Olympics when I was four and that was like my first exposure to like legitimate acrobatics you know gymnastics and I was like I have to I have to learn how to do that and that winter i remember teaching myself a backflip on my grandparents bed it was like super bouncy and so i was like self-taught up until <laughs> yeah i was self-taught up until like uh 12 and a half or so and then i just started going to the like a real serious gymnastics facility uh what six days a week four hours a day so i was like living and breathing it and <clears> went to a real high competitive level and got tendonitis to my shoulder and was like well i'll just uh I'll, I'll stop the competition and just do it for, for fun. And then it was like a whole new area of like the flipping addiction bloomed. It's pretty <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, man. What, one of the things too I want to give you kudos on, Pat, is like you're a real man, dude. Like real men talk about mental health. You know yep. what I mean? And that is something that not enough people in general do today, but certainly not enough men. And I just yeah. want, I want to give you your opportunity here. like, if somebody here is listening, is struggling with their mental health, like, will you please throw something out to them to help them potentially be as brave as you are?
2: Absolutely. You have to look depression in the face. Like, you have to know your depression in order to beat it. Hmm. And so I knew, you know, like, I knew my, my just feelings of dread waking up every day. Like, I'd wake up sometimes. And I, the first thing that I naturally felt like doing was crying. And. I mean my day haven't even started yet. Yeah. And so that's when I was just like, man, like there's stuff that I can do to to you know benefit my everyday life and that's when I was like, okay, well, if I do something at least once a day that makes me happy, at least for that moment, you know, even if it's only 5 minutes, I get to be happy in those moments. And that's why I think it's so important for people to literally search for their happiness if they don't know, don't know what it is yet. And when you find that you owe it to yourself to prioritize that happiness. Like we all have one life and I've, I believe that everybody deserves to be happy every day. So give yourself that chance.
0: You are the man, Pat Graves. You are the man. Now flip a day. Is that, is that, cause I'm only on the Instagram and only a slam ball coach PK. So I, I have no idea what's going on in any other socials. Is that your tag on all the socials?
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's just kind of become like my superhero name. It was a challenge, you know. Uh, like it, it's it literally was just I did a flip a day, but then you know some people like you know at the old trampoline park that I used to flip at in Nashville, they'd be like, "Oh, that's flip a day," you know, like "Hey, flip a day." And it's like, all right, I guess I can respond to that. You know, they are definitely worse things you can be called, but <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> and you got
1: a logo. How'd you come I up with have that a logo? logo? In fact, when uh... I first saw a logo, I thought it was like fingers. Like yeah. that. and I had no idea what that was.
2: Yeah, you know, I've I've thought about doing some, some rebranding 'cause because uh, some people think it's like a weird W with a dot over it. I have what? a second logo, but uh it's not as popular as the other one. Um it's a it's actually a silhouette of a photo of me doing a trick shot where I'm doing like a front flip basketball throw from like seventy five feet away.
1: Yeah, hold on. Now you you gotta let you when you do a new logo unveil, you gotta come back on the podcast. Like we've got We've got to make this a big party release. We're gonna have bouncers. We're gonna have you know, popping <laughs> bottles. Bouncers. I mean, it's like release party.
0: And by bouncers, he means Roddy Bond and
2: um, <laughs> yeah, there we go. And
0: some of the old bouncers, Josh Carlson, <laughs> Ghetto <Yes>. Bird. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I love it, Coach. I love where your heads at. Now, look, you you love trampolines. You love flipping. You get yeah. invited to slam ball to be the aerialist, and you step foot on the slam ball court for the first time. Just tell us about that experience.
2: Man, that was like it was almost like a. I felt like such a little kid. Yeah, you know, it was like the first time I ever got to like meet Santa or something. Because <laughs> actually, like what Mason reached out to me um, back in 2017, he had found my my wow. dunk videos. Yeah, and. So, like, on you go back to flip a day on day 777, I started doing trick shots. So, that introduced the basketball. I wanted to make flips that were normally difficult. Um, They got really easy because I was flipping all the time. So, I wanted to make those now simple flips difficulty in. So, -hmm. I was like, all right, well, let me add a ball. And so, that just threw a whole level of difficulty in there that I was, it was totally new and fresh and inspiring for me. So, come day 800 of flip a day, um, my buddy, Uncle Coop, uh, he sent me a basketball hoop, like a full on basketball hoop. I was making like $11,000 a year, so I, I couldn't afford <laughs> anything. Um, so he sent me this awesome Spalding basketball hoop. And on day 800 was the first time I ever did a flip dunk. Bam, addiction created. I was like, this is my favorite thing ever. Fast forward to 2017, uh, I get an email from Mason. He's like, hey, I'm Mason Gordon. I just created, you know, I'm the creator of Slam Ball. I just discovered your Instagram page can we hop on the phone i was like yeah sweet like i love slam ball so hop on the phone and he basically just was like who are you how do you do all this stuff we had a super awesome conversation and it eventually just kind of kept brewing and bubbling into him being like i want you to coach all the slam ball athletes like i want you to be our like trampoline specialist and i was like totally honored and humbled and now going to uh, the slam ball court for the first time after six years of of constantly like talking with with Mason or, or Stan, you know, brainstorming all these you know new future things for me to have that you know just accumulation of all that excitement and then get to physically look around and be on the mm-hmm. court and like it was again it was like I felt like a little kid I get that very you know childlike giddiness about yeah. a slam ball court and as you guys know I pretty much live there in the summer <laughs> <laughs> Pat, I have to tell you
1: when I came back to slam ball and they introduced you my immediate thought was the heck are we doing here an area hundred percent get the heck out of here and I see you jump in and you're like talking about pointing toes and relaxing and I was like
2: on the toes all
1: right wait a second here there's something happening here and then the 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 thoughts the implementation, the execution, shall I say, of the training methods. And then every day you were a part of my practice all the way <laughs> because I was like, yo, this dude knows what he's talking about and you you know what it is. Like talk about the training stuff. I mean, first of all, I didn't know you've been talking to me since 2017. So, so much stuff to to think about and everything else. Like how did you put all that stuff together over time? Knowing that you won't be coaching athletes your height, which by the way, <laughs> you are a big man in itself. All right. I'm not, I want anybody to know that whatsoever, but now we're going to have like six, five, six foot six guys,
2: man, that was actually, man, that first, uh, first day of training camp, not gonna lie. I was super nervous <laughs> because you know, my experience with coaching is primarily little girls, you know, mm-hmm. just teach girls between the ages of like, you know, five and 16, 17. Those are primarily m- my students. And so for the first time in my life, you know, I start coaching these guys and I'm looking (laughs) up at everybody. (laughs) I'm like, yo, this is insane. And seeing the size of these guys. Um, it it was, it was intimidating, but everybody was so warm and welcoming. And, um, I had done a lot of preparation with Stan, uh, Mm -hmm. cause Stan and I had been talking probably since like 2018, I think. Um, we started bouncing ideas back and forth and, um, probably about three months leading up to a uh, slam ball training camp this year, we were on the phone a lot doing FaceTime calls and talking about just different aspects of training camp, like certain things that I could bring from my world that would apply to, you know, the slam ball guys. Um, so once I was kind of like thrown into the pond, I was like, all right, buddy here, we got to swim. <laughs> you know, these guys, these guys need some, uh, they need some legit, some legit advice and I did everything I, I could to give them my best. You did a fantastic job. What, what mm. any fan who watched slam
0: ball saw often, but didn't know is when you see guys bailing out, which is basically just going limp in the air and falling on their back and letting the trampoline catch them when they miss a dunk or when there's contact in the air, that's all pack Graves. And mm. that alone Advance the sport more, I thought, from old slam ball to new slam ball than just about anything else out there. Because you just did not see that in old slam ball. Now, people also don't know that the injury rate is pretty low anyway for the sport. But where right. those injuries do happen quite often is where a guy comes down into the scoring bed with a leg down or two mm-hmm. legs down and a stopper's down there already. And that's when you saw some injuries occur when they did. So when I saw Dak just go up and miss a dunk and completely go limp and lay completely backwards (laughs) on his back. It's like the greatest thing in the world because the guy never, the only injury he had was a hit that happened to him on the court. It had nothing to do with the slam zone or in the air. And what you taught those guys, Pat, like could not be more thankful for you because safety is so much better in slam ball because of you. And I know you're there too, to keep teach them to be comfortable in the air and all the aerials and all that stuff. But just the safety alone, we had a lot of players healthy At the end of the season, that probably wouldn't be if if it hadn't been for you. So thank you, man.
2: Hey, thank you. I I appreciate that. It was cool seeing a a lot of the muscle memory develop where it just became second nature for a lot of the guys. Dak being a perfect example, you know, as soon as he would hit the dunk, you know, he just limps out. (laughs) That's it. It was really cool to see that because I was like, oh man, like now they're really applying it. Like they get it.
0: Yeah. Gage Smith too. I, I mean, was going to bring him he, up. Too. I, and I mentioned my guys cause I saw them every single day more than any other guys. And you see them do so many reps. And like, if he, if he made a stop or something was uncomfortable in the air, straight down on his back, straight back up. So yep. you just did such a great job. Now we talked Thank about you. the safety and I know that's such an important part. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that that is, you know, important, but you were also there to teach the guys to be comfort comfortable in the air and to start doing aerials and things in the air that they otherwise wouldn't be comfortable doing. You and Stan did a great job during training camp of, like, teaching these guys up. Just tell us a couple stories about players that you saw develop during that
1: period of time. Oh, yeah, man. talk about some buzzsaw guys since <laughs> Coach Kirsch wants to keep talking about the mob guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, look, I was, like, you know, fast-forwarding to, like, the end of the season and stuff like that. Like, I was really proud of the buzzsaw guys because of, I mean, geez, from training camp to to the you know end of the season – those guys and their control on Tramp, I mean, you know, Ralph, that was a total game changer for him. Like he actually, like the whole target practice thing, you know, really started to help him uh, figure out like how, like where he was going to project himself. And then mm-hmm. while he was in the air, how he was going to project himself from that next bounce. Now, so wait, wait, like wait, that... hold on,
0: Pat, because some of our listeners aren't going to know like what that target practice drill was. So just talk, oh, talk yeah. us through
2: that. Yeah, so I came up with this drill called target practice and I would mostly have the players on one of the wing tramps, like standing on the, on the wood from one of the wing tramps. And then I would have them run, jump from the wood, hit the X on the wing tramp, pop up to the line on the top tramp, and then hit the next line on the top tramp. And Mm -hmm. then the next X on that opposite wing tramp. So I would give them targets and they would have to be very precise. I'm not, I didn't let them have like, you know, six inches of, of being close to the line. I wanted their feet on that line because when you can pinpoint exactly where you're going to land, you can then pinpoint exactly where you're going to go on that next bounce. Mm. So it's just developing, uh, almost like a, like a foreshadowing of where your body, your body's headed and understanding that it's a sensation. It's not a thought process. So that was what I tried to do a lot with, uh, with your buzzsaw guys. And we did do uh, some of that in, in training camp too, uh, the later weeks of training camp with other teams. But Yeah, I, I found it to be very effective.
1: Now, Pat, what do you um, when you uh, went into different practices and you saw the guys developing, d- did you see the guys making the same mistakes? Like a bunch of them were making the same mistakes just because of the inexperience on the tramp, or um. Did everybody make different mistakes or did you see all beginner mistakes that you would see with, you know, your clients that you were saying earlier on as they were starting?
2: Uh, I think it was kind of all over the board with, you know, like the types of mistakes. And, and you know, some people clicked with it pretty well, uh, like someone who clicked on Tramp really well, obviously, Cam uh, Hollins. Mm-hmm. You know, he had already had a little bit of um, mini Tramp experience. Mob guy but,
0: again, coach. How you uh, like yeah. them
2: apples?
1: <laughs> you know, Pat, you're fired.
0: this has been fun see you guys don't worry pat he has no authority no authority (laughs) neither one of us do (laughs) oh man i
2: love it but yeah um some people took to the tramps um and had fairly decent technique from the beginning but uh someone that pops out that was um a little stiff and unsure and uncomfortable Uh, was amir smith from the slashers Mm. i remember in training camp he was like real unstable fast forward to like you know second game or second week of the season i'm like yo this guy is a beast i guess that's why his nickname is beast but like he looked really comfortable now he's like able to do like front flips and stuff and you know really um he started to show uh of a good understanding of like how to quick you know, which I was someone that big, you know, being able to legitimately quick someone was really cool mm-hmm. to see, you know. And uh, another slasher, Zoe Scott, he put in a lot of work with me. Uh, we did a lot of one on one work with uh, together, and I remember he could he was struggling to do top tramp takeoffs and, and tap the rim with his hand. And now it was like, you know, toward the end of the season, it was like, okay, proper technique is being employed, developing speed, hurdling from outside or at the four, four point line all that stuff like comes together and makes, you know, doing a proper takeoff function. It's pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then we, um, obviously when we went from team camp, I'm sorry, when we went from training camp to team camp, you were involved coach H mentioned before in every single, every single team's practice. So what players did you see evolve like during that time during team camp? And I guess one of the other questions too is, how different was every practice session like the wrath obviously mm-hmm. doing something different than the buzzsaw were doing
2: yeah uh that's actually a really good question because every every practice had a different vibe for sure mm-hmm. because it was how the coaches wanted to conduct things right so like you know wrath and Griffs, they were very kind of locked in doing their things together just like you guys were you know like mob and buzzsaw were always training together but then you had like lava ozone and they seemed to be kind of you know doing their own their their things separately and then you had Rumble Slashers. They were all doing their totally you know, different style of practice. Um, so, you know, like Rumble was a lot of focus on like outside shooting and stuff. So, I wasn't necessarily uh, utilized as much as I wanted to. End of uh, end of um, the season, they you know Coach Carter started dragging me over and be like, "Fix these man, take off." I was like, man, I've been trying to do this for a while, Carter. <laughs> it was like,
1: so what you're saying? What you're saying? There's a direct correlation between success and Pat Grace.
2: <laughs> I think slam what he's ball, saying man. is, you got to be able to take off.
0: That's right. There it you is. You know what
2: I mean? Like, <laughs> I I love like, I I love the idea of where Carter was going with things, but because I see how it could work, but. You, you can't, you can't, it's like, you're trying to boil, uh, two pots with one burner. You know, It's like, you're focusing <laughs> on the shooting aspect, but you can't, you know, you're not getting that, that slam ball aspect. Right. So, and I, I know, you know, Wit really wanted to do more too, which I hope he gets Listen, to this year for sure. For everybody listening to, we just
0: have to relay this. Okay. The four point line is two feet farther than the NBA three. Right. Not only that, but it's on a spring-loaded floor. You ever try to jump and shoot a jump shot on a spring-loaded floor? You don't have the legs that you usually have because as you're going to plant and jump, the floor is giving away from you, which means it's more arms and more arch than it usually is when you're shooting on a regular basketball court. Now I want you to factor in the fact that slam ball, for anybody who hasn't played it, which is 99.9% of the world, (laughs) it is an exhausting sport. Yes. It is exhausting. You have no idea the wind that gets sucked from your body when you're going from court to slam zone to air to slam zone to court. So when you're trying to throw up those longer shots later later in the game, especially you are gassed. So mm-hmm. to have the four point line even percentage be even as high as it was, I'm shocked. But to to employ a strategy that is we're going to shoot a lot of fours, I thought was dead in the water before the game, before the game ever started. <laughs> That's just me though.
2: Yeah. That's a far shot. I mean, it's basically like a trick shot. <laughs> Thank you for coming yeah. to
1: coach to Ted talk till next time.
0: <laughs> I get so much grief too. Cause everybody's like, Oh, here he goes. Here he goes. He's going to make a point here and it's going to be long winded and take forever.
1: <laughs> well, listen, hey, just I do the a second. Stuff, man. You've earned it when you're eight to know. I don't know if anybody can say <laughs> to you. Come on. Come on. <laughs> you now, Now, I do do want to
0: talk to, to you about that too, Pat, because you, so coming out of team camp now, you were, we were fortunate enough to have you for the entire slam ball season. So you could still work with the teams at the individual practices, but also very cool. You actually had a front row seat on the media table on the court for every single slam ball game that was played. So you actually saw slam ball closer than anyone, all the games other than the players. So just talk about that experience real quick.
2: I mean, talk about electricity. Holy cow. Like it's one thing seeing it on TV, but when you see these guys, you see their size, then you see their athleticism and you know their newly found control at 15 feet in the air. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. And yeah, going from training camp where I'm seeing these guys, you know, they're like baby birds kind of finding their wings, you know, they're little <laughs> fledglings. To even then, like the scrimmages. Like, the first, like, full slam ball contact scrimmages, that was electric. But then when you have everyone's skills that are kind of, like, honed in, people are starting to get comfortable, you know, the, the um, intensity of, like, the lights being on has kind of dimmed down a little bit. You get those, like, late season games, and my goodness, especially the close ones, I remember sitting there. I was sitting still. And I'm sweating, and my heart rate is like, <laughs> I'm like, this is nuts, man. It's like you're strapped into a roller coaster, but you're not going anywhere. You're just watching stuff. It's crazy. That's I highly awesome. recommend for anybody who's never seen a slam ball game, check it out in person. It'll <laughs> blow your mind.
0: Yeah, they, I mean, I always say it's it's so hmm. much better in person than it is on TV. And don't hear it's awesome on TV. But as yeah. good as it is on TV, it's even better in person. It's not like – I don't want to offend anybody, but it's not like watching soccer on TV versus in person. You know what I mean? It's like this right. sport is electric on TV, but it's even better in person. So totally agree with you on that, man.
2: Yeah, but um, I flew my drummer out real quick. I flew my drummer out uh, to to do some video stuff, and he had that same perspective where he was like, dude, I've seen this on on TV. He's my, been my best friend for 16 years, so like, he's seen everything I'm a part of. <laughs> And he was like, dude, seeing this in person, he had no idea about, like, th- like how his body was going to be vibrating. And he's just sitting there watching. So, yeah, <laughs> slam ball in person is unreal.
0: So um, what you look ahead at Series 7, right? Like, what are the cool aerials that you think we were close to some of the players getting and being able to pull off in a game situation during Series 6 that you want to see happen in Series 7?
2: Um, So for me, uh, I think certain acrobatic elements, certain flips can be used as an effective tool. Um, It'll be eye-catching, yes, but I think it can also be something that kind of, uh, you know, misdirects a stopper or, you know, just draws attention, therefore (laughs) creating another play or an opening for a play elsewhere. Um, I think what would be effective is something uh, Cam Hollins tried and Nate Harris in the Lava tried, too. But uh, bounce down, Branny over the island. A Branny, for anyone listening, oh, is basically dude. a no handed round off. It's like a front flip half twist. So bounce Kirk, down. That's Kirsch's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cam <laughs> almost made it. He just he needed did. like go go with gadget arms and just like a t- <laughs> two inches, you'd have made it. <sighs> but bounce down Branny uh, to the scoring tramp and then, you know, redirect yourself to dunk. I think that could be effective. But I think more so, um, I was thinking about this today, kill flips, right? How many times did you guys see me, like, when I'm dunking, doing my thing, and instead of just, you know, splattering on the mat, I would flip out of of what would have been a fall and get right to my feet. So, you know, remember how we would do the kill bounces, right? We would kill the bounce, but you can kill the bounce with a flip. So that way you're not necessarily losing momentum. You're just kind of redirecting your momentum with – a ton of control it's going to save time and energy um kill flips i think will be very effective you know in the in the future
1: i'm really trying to my, i'm not very smart i went to online college so i'm really trying <laughs> to figure out here how i'm going to teach a kill flip that's but what luckily, i'm here for buddy <laughs> luckily you'll be there so that's fine i'm yeah. not exactly you got me. yeah it
2: would be cool to see someone like try to hit a flip dunk, but I just, it's got to be effective and it's got to keep people (laughs) safe. You know, it's, it's not to show off. It needs to be an effective tool in the game. For sure. I,
0: you know, we've talked about this before though. The cool thing about slam ball. And I will say this, like slam ball is a team sport. It is Mm -hmm. 100% a team sport. I think more than any other sport, because passing is probably the most critical aspect of the entire thing. So it's been proven time and time again in Slam Ball that if you've got a one-man team, you're not winning Jack. I almost almost had to be censored there, Coach. You're not winning (laughs) Jack. Um, So it is a team sport. But one of the coolest things that I think, and I've come full 180 on this. I've talked about this. When Sean Inches Jackson was doing the McNasty in Season 1, I was a 22-year-old college basketball coach. And I was like, why the hell are you doing that? It makes no sense whatsoever. Just go dunk the ball. We want the points. Dah, 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 dah. Mm-hmm. Now, as a middle-aged man, <laughs> 20, 23 years later, uh, yeah. I do think that there are certain instances where there's something that the players want to say through mm-hmm. a move that they want to make in the air. And I, mm-hmm. I totally support that. Some of these players were either close to getting drafted and they didn't. Or something happened in college and it didn't work out for them. And now they've got this platform with all of this hang time up in the air to be able to say something to the world. And I 100% support like that happening. So along those lines, we've had some really cool moves that have happened over the years. What is like the coolest move you can think of that would be awesome if we could pull it off in Series 7 of Slam Ball?
2: Oh, man. Um, Oh, man. I mean, this would be, this would be a stretch, but it's totally legal and it could mess with uh, stoppers timing, but that whole bounce down backflip catch combo where I did over the Island, those backflip catches, yeah. because if you say, if you, you land, like, here's your chest and like, here's the tramp, here's the hoop this way. If you come out of a backflip and you land with your chest angled toward the hoop, you can generate a ton of momentum. It's like doing a backflip into a quick. Mm. Right from the top, tramp. So with you know, like a lofty bounce down, lofty backflip catch, and then, bam, jet to the hoop. I think that could be pretty effective, but it'd be tough to pull off in game. Like you gotta train that.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go, Coach. Let's sign Ralph Bellamy up for that one. He can be the first one. He can (laughs) be the first one to try that.
2: Hey, Greg hell is pretty close. He was. He did it a couple times, and I saw I saw Cam Hollins do it. Who
1: Who was that?
2: Ah.
0: I
1: don't hey, remember Greg, that. I don't
0: remember that, dude. He's <laughs> he killing,
1: man. God, I'm just kidding, Greg. I love you, brother. Man, keep working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, we're gonna keep talking about uh, the aerials and all the other stuff, but we do have to get to a segment that we wanted to do today. Uh, it's definitely going to gain us even more popularity than we already have. <laughs> it's the <laughs> <laughs> it's the Series 7 way too early projections, Yeah. right? That's what we're calling it. Now, before we dive into this, just a couple of things. One, we're basing this on having no idea how many players are going to be kept and what the new crop of players coming into slam ball is going to look like. So for anybody following slam ball for the first time, what happens is the teams are going to be able to reserve a certain number of players. It could be four players. It could be six players. It could be all the players we don't know, but that will come at the expense of draft capital. So you want to keep your number one player that counts as your number one draft pick. You want to keep your number two player, two draft picks are gone. So on and so forth. So, Let's take into account that we have no idea what the player pool is going to look like. All right, coming into Series Seven, and uh, this is just predicated on 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 what we're doing uh, right now. Also, there's only eight teams, so guys, just please give us a break. If you were going through this exercise at home, you're going to have to put one of those eight teams at eight, seven, six, or five. Okay, so the last thing we need is any type of like callouts on the socials. We don't need it. Just give us a break on the whole thing. Okay. Everybody, everybody's opinion is going to be a little bit different. And it's all just, it's all just conjecture. Anyway, coach, you got anything or Pat to add to that before we dive into this?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I don't even know why we're going to go through this. I understand we (laughs) podcast, but I'm just saying we had a season. It's pretty clear, you know, from top to bottom, where everybody should be moving into next season. I know, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to get after Coach H. Well, you can find me, HernandoPlanels.com. My phone number is yeah. ever fine, whatever. <laughs> the most hated man in the world. That's my ex wife. But, you know, I think one of the things <laughs> is that we just have to be able to know there's just, there's got to be a pecking order. And if you want to take it to social media, that's fine. But, you know, DM me. That's fine. You want to be mad at me? <laughs> DM me. It's fine. Go ahead, Pat. I apologize.
2: Oh, you're good. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, Pat, no, you're participating in this. Okay, yeah. your days Am of uh, you're you might be. Yeah, I mean, your days of being Norway or whoever the independent country is—that's over. Like you're <laughs> you're about to put it all out there right now, and everybody loves Pat Graves today. Well, guess what? You're about to get dirty with gojoe. About Go to change. Change. That's right.
1: That's right. Because Flip a is about to flip your mind. <laughs>
0: All right. Now we're going in reverse order. So we're starting out with who do you think is going to be the number eight team in Series 7? Coach H or Pat, I'll throw it up. One of you guys can go first.
1: I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I love love the silence. Rumble is eight. Rumble is eight. They got to have a a tremendous haul over what they're going to do. You know, strategy wise, they have good players on it, but you really I know people knock slam ball strategy. You need strategy. You saw it yeah. from team one to eight. You need strategy.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm in that same boat. I had Rumble at eight as well. Uh, you need to see you know more attacking from the outside. Like that's just it's a major way to score. You gotta be able to attack from the outside, like over and over again. You yeah. had so and, much length too.
1: And like if you bounce
2: are- with that length,
1: woo. I agree. And listen, Rumble, if you want bulletin board material, hold on. I want you to take a screenshot because I want the picture up on me. Here it is. One, two, three. <laughs> terrible. All right.
2: Too much. There
0: Hope you go. go. Well, it's going to be unanimous because I also have the Rumble at number eight. Now, look, this one is easy, right? It's like a cop out. It's a cop out because they were one and eight last season, and they finished in eighth place. So, who? What are we going to do? Say they're now? Here's the deal. I think they are going to be much improved. I think we all agree on that. Like, I think they're going to be much improved because they have talent. They have Kalen Tippin Till, Tamiric Fields, Bakari Copeland, Richard Washington. They don't have a stopper. Period. Like, right. they played Bakari Copeland back there and Tamiric Fields, and, if, and, and neither one of those guys are stoppers. Both of those guys are one of the best gunners in the league if you mm-hmm. let them play gunner all game. But they didn't yep. have a stopper, so they had to throw one back there. So this is one of those teams where even though it's easy for us to say, oh, they're going to be eighth, like, you could see them going from last to first if they draft a great stopper. And most importantly, if they find an identity. Because coach, you know this, like every team has an identity that is going to compete for a championship and the rumble have absolutely no identity. They have a bunch of really good athletes, absolute studs that have given the chance to attack from outside, probably would have been very, very good at it, but they weren't given that chance until it was too late. They have absolutely no identity. So I think if they find an identity and they draft well and they find a stopper, maybe this won't be the case, but I've got them at number eight. All right. Going Mm -hmm. on to number seven. All right, I'll start, we're going reverse order. So I'll start on this one and then we'll go to you guys after that. All right, right. number seven. This is another one that's kind of like, ah, this is an easy one to throw out there because we have to put somebody at number seven and I've got the ozone there, okay? I know that's going to be shocking. Trevor Anderson's their head coach. He played for me a number of years. Do I think the ozone like is 100% going to finish seventh? No. Do I think coach Trevor Anderson is going to use this as an opportunity to post this on a bulletin (laughs) board as lighter fluid? Yes, I do. 100%. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think that they need to find a stopper or I think that Keenan Love needs to develop because Mm -hmm. I've coached undersized stoppers before. I have in Kevin Cassidy Mm -hmm. and and DeAndre Faison and some of the guys, they usually need a second season to develop. Mm -hmm. So either Keenan Love is going to develop even more than he already has Um, or they'll play him more at Gunner and find a stopper. But what I guarantee you the Ozone is going to do is they are going to figure out their offense where teams cannot simply double-team Keith McGee, and all of a sudden the entire offense falls apart. Like, they have Keith McGee, Brian Bell Anderson, Laquavious Cotton, and we mentioned Keenan Love. Like, that's a really good core that you can draft to and get a little bit stronger. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them running Keith McGee and some Gunner and not necessarily having him bring up the ball up the court every single time and drafting a high lever ha- handler and then a stopper. Mm-hmm. So I've got Ozone at seven.
1: Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm also going to agree with Ozone at seven. And, and, and I agree with you on the stopper situation, but I'm really – and and uh, I think Keith McGee and the health of Brian Bell Anderson, right? Brian was, was injured during preseason, um, and he yeah, came back, right. and you saw some glimpses mm-hmm. of him. But I think yep. they need Keith McGee to be a strong two-way player. I said this on the Sky Report. I have no idea if it was up on ESPN or not. Listen, ESPN, if my Sky Report was not up on the board, shame on you. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. When there's greatness on the board, it should be put on it. But that's besides the fact. The Ozone Keith McGee to be a consistent performer offensively and defensively. And I love it. The relation between Trevor and Keith McGee is amazing. They are mm-hmm. like spirit animals or whatever they're calling <laughs> which I love. But the thing is, Keith can't score and then celebrate and then, you know, prance back. Like, you got to get back. And that takes a certain type of discipline. And I think uh, Keith has the ability to be a superstar in slam ball. An absolute superstar. He has the ability and the charisma now you just got to add the transition defense and could be all there but i agree I mean, the ozone has the potential to finish seven or up there on the top because there are some unknown quantities that are happening
2: yep i i agree i actually have uh ozone as as seven right here as well um i agree with keith i think keith can be an absolute stud in this league I think one of the things though is he has to continue to grow from a basketball player. Mm. He doesn't like contact. Slam ball, you get hit. And it's like I, I can't imagine what it feels like. I'm a little guy. You know, <laughs> I want to get hit by those guys, I'd be dead. But you play slam ball, you have the ability to be one of the top stars in the league. Take the hit, brush it off, get up and, and keep killing. Mm-hmm. Um, Keenan Love, I think I think with some more time on the tramps some more development, he could be a gnarly stopper. Dude is tough as nails. Yeah. You're probably one of the toughest people in the league. So yeah. if, if you can, and then, you know, you keep Brian Bell Anderson healthy. Yeah, you know, It's like those three right there, like they've yeah. got a lot of star power between the three of them. I just think there needs to be a little bit more uh, just gelling, you know, among the team as well uh, with, a, with a confident offense, you know.
0: No doubt. And I think that we've all learned you don't bet against Keenan Love. Period, no. point blank, <laughs> no. right? Trevor Anderson's a great is. head coach, and he was a great player. Um, I think they're going to be much better than they were last year, and I think you're right. It's going to come down to the draft and what they figure out at stop or whether that's Keenan or somebody else. Great point about Brian Bell Anderson, too. All right, now, Pat, you're mailing this in because you get to uh, go after Coach and I, so this time you're going first. Who do, okay. you,
2: ha- <laughs> who do you have at number six
0: for Series
2: 7? Uh, I, ha- I wrote down the Griffs. And my reason being is I think they're, man, they had so many just, they had so many close games. Um, I think they could really pull through and do some great stuff. You got Kayshawn Jones, you got Connor Hollenbeck. Like you got some real studs on their team too. Um, I don't know. I just like when I was doing like like their team uh, training camps and stuff, there was, I just feel like there needs to be like a little bit more fire among that group. Like if they can like really gel, understand mm-hmm. their offense, and then you know, keep their stoppers healthy because they had so like so many excellent stoppers, but you know, unfortunately they all got injured. So it was like who, who they yeah. have a stopper back there. They had, they had Adam Stanford back there, a stopper one game. It's yeah. like, he's not a stopper and nothing against him, but man, he was going to get dunked all over. Yep. It's just, you know, the name <laughs> of the game, I guess when you have an injured stopper, but yeah, I had, I had Griff's at six. <laughs> Oof. Well,
1: I'm gonna go ahead, and I, I, it really is a top up, toss up between the Griff's and the Wrath, and and I and I think it really comes down. I mean, the Griff's. You saw Justin Holmes continue to develop, and it's something that I said again. I said to my my team, Justin Holmes has to play a complete game. He's got to play a complete game. He he has to be able to be as effective in the first half as the second half. Yeah, uh, I think transition defense is another thing that they're going to have to do. Yeah. And yeah, their stopper situation. I mean, Connor Hollenbeck is an absolute stud back there and it was just a menace to play against. And they take the personality of their coaches. I mean, there is nobody who feels polo shirts better than Coach Jelani. <laughs> All right. That's, that's, I mean, I said this before on the show. I go to Dick's Sporting Goods and I look like at the mannequin and they look great in a polo shirt. And I'm like, but that's not my body build. Those body builds are Kalani Jeans <laughs> and Roddy Bott. Right? Those are. So, I mean, just for the sake of this argument, I'm going to sit here. And, and you can skip me on the next one. Because either the Wrath or the Griffs. Right? So, the Griffs <laughs> yeah. could finish six or the Wrath could finish six. Now, the Wrath had a tough year because, obviously, a bunch of injuries as well as everything else. It's going to come down to, though, offensive development as well, too. Um, but what I'm saying is more of what is our strategy moving forward? It's easy for anybody again, I've said this on the show. It's easy to say what your strategy is, but does your team take on those personalities as time goes on and I think those teams those two teams have the potential to flip back and forth depending on draft and depending on on what their strategy is gonna be.
0: Yeah. I love it. I had I had uh, Wrath at number six, mm-hmm. but it was a tough one for me to call because here's the thing about the Wrath that a lot of people, they didn't get a chance to see the Wrath play during team camp. And if you remember, Christian Gray was a oh, huge yeah. part of what the Wrath did. So mm-hmm. I remember the mob scrimmaged Wrath in one of our very first full contact scrimmages, and I was shocked at the size of their players. They had Christian Gray, Stephen Julian, and Ty McGee all at half court, picking you up defensively with those long arms, a lot of length, a lot of aggressiveness. It was a really tough team and Christian Greg getting injured right before the season, I think impacted Mm -hmm. them. And it wasn't just that injury. Like I'm trying to look at their roster. Sean Stith was injured during the course of the year, Darian Slade, Steven Julian. It was like, they never had everybody healthy. Um, and the entire offense then started to run through time McGee. That's all it was. was like, let's get Ty McGee into the scoring bed. Let's get Ty McGee the ball. That's all it was. And they won five games like that. Like, yeah. think about that. They won five <laughs> games because Ty McGee was the offensive player of the year. Deservedly so. Now imagine mm-hmm. if they draft a stopper. Imagine if they draft or they get Christian Gray back or somebody like that. They right. could, uh, we've talked about it. All, all these teams that we're listing kind of in the bottom half right now could easily be contending for a championship, but we're just having to put the teams where they are right now based on what the personnel is, but you could see them improving uh, pretty dramatically. I'm also not a big fan of an offense that is consistent with tramp jumpers and just running through one person. So I think they've got to develop that a little bit, but I think they've got all the tools there. All right. Number five. So I'll go first on this one. Then we'll go to you, Pat. And then coach, we can skip you. If you're saying wrath and and griffs are interchangeable at five and six. All right. Number five, this is not going to be a very popular one. I'm going to throw it out there right now, all right? I'm putting the lava at number five. Really? I'm going put the lava at number five. <laughs> wow, okay. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why, okay? I could see the lava winning the entire thing, or I could see them at number five or having mm. a very disappointing season. And it's predicated on a number of things. The first thing it's predicated, predicated on is injuries, predicated Mm -hmm. on injuries. Now the lava had people banged up all year long, like Bryce Morange, one of the best players that I think coming into slam ball that we saw, one of the best players to play slam ball. Can he stay healthy? That's my question. Can Bryce Morange stay healthy? If he stays healthy, they're competing for a championship. If he doesn't, and he has to play through three or four different types of injuries. I don't know. Do you want to know why? I don't know because they're one dimensional period point blank. They are one dimensional. And I know coach Carlson wanted to run this modern offense that I kept hearing about all during training camp. Like you, you've got to see coach Carlson's book. You've got to see his (laughs) book. He's going to, he's going to change the game. He's going to change slam ball offense. Well, I didn't see any of that. I saw a bunch of guys not being able to play together for a long period of the season. And then I saw a modified offense that was predicated on a double bounce one to the rim and a backdoor (laughs) wing cut. And that was it. And if the double bounce stack one, wasn't there. And the backdoor wing cut wasn't there. The offense fell apart and they were throwing up some four pointer at the buzzer. So if that entire offense is not going to evolve and that's what it's going to be, that's going to be easy as hell to stop. So that's mm-hmm. where I could see it like going either way, but they've got great players. They've got, you know, Jihad Shockley, Josh Shannon. They have one of the best stoppers in the league. We talked about in, in uh, a One of the questions I have is will Fessel Shafat come back? He's like a reality TV star, right? Like he could be doing something else and decide not to come back at Stopper. Now, if the if the Lava don't have him and Bryce doesn't stay healthy, how good can they really be? So right. I've got the Lava at five.
2: Those are strong points. Wow.
0: <laughs> at
2: who you got? So uh, when I was making this list, I was trying to really figure out how I was going to uh, offend everyone. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> at number five, hear me out. I've got oh. buzzsaw. Oh. Love you. Love you, Coach Love you, buddy. My reason being is, yes, you got, you got Burry, Taequann Scott back there, stopper, phenomenal, right? He was injured you know, on and off throughout the season as well. But my, my thing with the buzzsaw is you guys are graceful finishers in a way. You're not power finishers. Like, leading the league in, in layups, you know, yeah. that offense – it's not gonna be able to, to hold up, you know? I, that's like my main thing with the bus saw is gotta be able to finish those dunks, man. You gotta slam you Can't be laying up everything.
1: I, 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 I respect it. And yes, I did. It was our badge of honor that we were leading the league in layups at one time. And I, I would tell, but listen, there's only one person to blame about that. The worst coach, the worst offense <laughs> all maybe history, coached by Hernando Planels. That guy is amazing. <laughs> Amazing person, but that's right, Pat. Hold on, hold on. What I'm gonna do? Hold on, give me a good smock. I'm about to take a screenshot and put on my bulletin board. This is what Pat said about the butthole. This one, you know, I love them. You know, I love them. I know. I
2: love all my guys.
1: We're gonna make flip a day. Flip his mind during the season. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. Yeah. No. Hey, well, you know, I'll help
2: you. I'll help you bring those power <laughs> finishes to the to the team.
0: <laughs> now, this is the problem with having an insider podcast. Is both of us are going to leave this podcast, forgetting we ever did it, and like go on and continue coaching slam ball. And Pat, we're like, hey, Pat, let's talk about like the uh, you know the way too early projections, and he's got to tell us to our face that we're going to yeah. suck.
2: <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's Mr. <laughs> <That's> um, <hard. laughs> who doesn't want
1: to hurt anybody's feelings over here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're man, Pat. I appreciate
0: you. All right, coach. We're starting with you. Number four. All right. You had wrath and Griffs, kind of five and six interchangeable. Who's number four.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the slashers. I'm going to go slash with number four and I, and I'll, and I'll tell you why I think that it as Tony is a spectacular athlete. Um, and he's strong, and he's everything else. But there are a few things that they're going to have to improve over time. And it really is the consistency that comes from Amir Smith, who's a tremendous talent. And, uh, oh my gosh, everybody... I always forget everybody's name. Um, oh, Lonzo. Lonzo like, Scott. Lonzo. And, and I've had some great memes with Lonzo. Like, hey man, you got to be consistent. And again, it, it just comes down to those two guys being consistent. I think Laubacher is a problem once they get the backside lob. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that uh, Tony did have some problems when we started double teaming him and now other guys have to step up with it. And then I think their stopper situation, Nate is is tremendous, but they're doing a platoon with Nate and Amir. And I don't know how that's going to be next year uh, with it, but you really have to be consistent. I believe you got to be consistent with that position over and over again so that your perimeter defense feels more confident on what's happening, because the reality is, if you have one stopper playing one style, your defense has to play one style. You have another right. def- stopper back there; your defense has to play another style on the perimeter. So, are they going to be able to do this um with everything else? I mean, they're obviously really talented, um, but I think number four—it's—it's it's, going to be interesting with it.
2: oh can't hear you, Kirsch. Kersh, can't hear you. Uh-oh. Can you hear me now?
0: There, there we are. There we go. I think I had muted myself so I could hack up some mucus uh, while <laughs> you were talking, So I apologize. All right. So I'm going to go with, uh, with, with number four, and then we'll finish up with Pat. There, Number four, I have the Griffins. All right. I have the Griffins. <laughs> I, know, I know I've got them a little bit higher than maybe you guys do, and there's a reason for that. The Griffins have an identity. They have an absolute identity. Mm. They're hard-nosed. They're tough as nails. They're a defensive unit. The Griffins had us down 15 to zero. The Mob down 15 to zero in the first quarter of a the game. They were competing at a very high level until Connor Hollenbeck got injured. And when Connor mm-hmm. Hollenbeck got injured, he was one of the best stoppers in the league. And he gets injured, and all of a sudden, now they go from potentially competing for a championship to really not being that good. Um, but what do they have? They have great coaching, like Coach H. You mentioned it. They have Jelani Janice, who is one of the greatest to ever play. <clears throat> They have Rodney Bond, who's your old stopper, who you mm. taught a lot to and is a great coach. They have Kaishan Jones, who I think is one of the top three or four offensive players in the league. They have Justin oh, yeah. Holmes, Adam Stanford, um, and then Conor Holl- Hollenbeck. They have what other teams are desperately seeking, which is a very solid stopper. If they <laughs> can stay healthy, I think they can compete in Series 7 to win it all, but I've got them at number four.
2: Who you right got, on. Pat? I've got the wrath at number four. Uh, mainly because of of their offensive firepower. You have Ty McGee. Mm. Um, I think you have. Well, you had Ty, and then if Christian comes back, yep. like Debo Christian Gray, I, that guy. I think he was probably the most fiery personality in the entire series this year. Mm. And yep. I think that type of stuff comes out when he plays. So if we can, if he can stay healthy, you get Big Sean Stiff back there. You know, if he can not drift as much and you know, stay <laughs> healthy. He can still he can still be a pretty solid stopper, and then someone that I think improved a ton from start to finish was Darian Slade. I agree. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I think he really started to find his stride. And so if you get those four guys, you know, as their stopper, and they all stay healthy, and then you have like the length of like Stephen Julian, it's like, and then Nick Parks was flying too. Like toward the end of the season, yeah. he started to really you know hit some takeoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they, there could be a lot of uh, a lot of power coming from that team next year.
0: I agree, and Christian Gray was a game changer, man. Massive. Like he was, he was as big a loss to that team almost as Michael Kowale was for the Buzzsaw. Oh yeah, like he was a game changer. That team is a lot different with Christian Gray on it. So I agree with you on that. Okay, number three, we're going into the top three now, and I'm going to start off with number three. Why? Because I've got the Mob at number three. That's right. I've got the Mob at number three. Now, why would I put the Mob at number three? Well, because I'm not, I'm not fueling any fire, okay? Yeah, really? oh, we have a big enough target on her back for me to sit here and be like, you know what? We're going back to back. I, I'm putting the mob at number three. My guys are going to hate it. They're going to hate that I said this, but they're going to understand why I said this. Mob hmm. at number three. Coach H, you're up.
1: Uh, I'm going to put the lava. The lava will be number three, and I'll tell you why the lava will be number three. I think that uh, the most sophisticated offense in slam ball history um, with the lava, especially with the draft coming back and you got, only could save, I think, potentially a few players, you got to reteach something. And that's tough to do, number one. I think number two, you're right. Bryce has to stay healthy. Totally different team mm-hmm. with it. And then number three, I think Josh is going to have to, I really love, address his handler situations. I did like their handlers. But you got to be at a high level in order for you to get there with it. And I think the last thing, and Josh played for me, and I love Josh, and I love that he's a fiery individual. And, but just like I tell a lot of coaches, as a coach, you're going to have to keep your emotions in check. You have to. Because you could either gain them as followers or lose them as followers if you're up and down. And again, not a knock on Josh, because we're all learning, and, and I could be totally wrong whatsoever. But I do believe that has got to be a big, big thing in order for the lava to take that next step. And, and that's a tough thing to do. Are we able to? Because when the emotions are high, the emotions are high. Luckily, I'm a divorced man, which means I have no more emotions, right? <laughs> so I can't be emotional. I know what's happening and it makes it so much easier. All, All right,
2: right. <laughs> here we go. Pat, who you got? <laughs> I've got the slashes at three. And you know, to piggyback off the emotion thing, that's you know, why <laughs> I have the Slashers at three. Uh, the Slashers, when they're, when they're connecting and they're having fun together, look out because they're a nasty team. They can really do some damage. And with further development of Nate Carson's as what I think should be their official stopper, he went from – he joined, what, training camp like a week or two before the season started. So yeah. he had by far the least amount of reps on Tramp. And he had, what, a couple game-saving blocks mm-hmm. you know, that, that won them the game? So, um, Nate Carson's a stopper. They need to keep developing uh, their offense to be consistent with that backdoor lob with Bradley Lobbacher and then keeping their emotions in check. When they're emotionally, you know, uh, collected, they're amazing. But when they emotionally fall apart, you know, team falls apart. Yep.
0: That's well said. Well said, Pat. All right, coach, we're starting with you. We're at number two. Who you got wow. at number
1: two? Well, the number two team for next year, Slam Ball, is the one and the only mob. I believe the mob is number two. I'll tell you why. So, why the mob is number two? Because it's hard to go back to back, number one. Number two, uh, the mob is a threat anytime they step on the court. Number three, they have a stunningly handsome head coach with a beautiful family. Because <laughs> that's a big part. That's how they win. <laughs> and, but number four, uh, again, there is, um, in any type of human being, there is complacency that sets it. That's just human nature. Can, you can argue with me all the way, like, oh, Coach H, I'm going to get you. Okay, well, that's fine. But human nature says that there will be a little step back because what I did before could predicate the future, but it doesn't, it's not the way it works. So it's really going to come down to the mob. And again, I think the other part, and coach Kersh said this uh, mob player. So don't come after me because your own coach said this, but people are going to be gunning. There's a huge target on your ass. And now it comes down who will be the Michael Jordan, the Kobe Bryant, the LeBron James, the Hernando Planels of the mob, right? That's all like, Who is going to do it? That's a huge part that has to be answered in the mob lore.
0: Agreed. Agreed. I I don't disagree with you. I've got the slashers at number two. All right. Slashers were nine and seven last season, finished in second place, lost in the championship game. Like any of the teams that we're going to put in the top two or three pieces are already there. Pieces are already there. They've got Tony Crosby, Amir Smith, Alonzo Scott, Bradley Laubacher, Nadarian James, and then we talked about Nathan Karshans and what he brings mm-hmm. to the table at Stopper. Mm-hmm. If they can play Amir Smith more at Gunner and let's at yes. Stopper because they trust Karshins, yep. and then let's say that they reserve the right players and they hit in the draft, that team's going to be nearly unstoppable. I mean, they're going to be nearly unstoppable. They, they were so good already this year, so give them a couple more pieces. Nathan healthy at Stopper. Um, the caveat is they've got to figure out that offense because it started clicking at the end of the year when it stopped becoming the Tony Crosby show. Like Mm -hmm. slam ball has proven again and again that it is not any team that tries to run a one man show ain't going to win. Right. (laughs) We saw it with Stan Fletcher when he played for the steel and when he played for the Maulers Mm -hmm. best player, especially offensively that's ever played the game. I mean, I would watch him in awe on the sidelines as I'm coaching. He's that good, but he never got close to a championship because you need an entire team and offense needs and slam ball needs to run through the entire team. So they've got to figure out if they can run an offense where Tony is a distributor as much as he is an attacker. It can still be Tony time at the right times. Who you got mm-hmm. at Number two, Pat.
1: Whoa, I've got whoa, the wait, lava. Wait, stop right there. Coach Kirsch. That was one heck of a bar right there. It's Tony time <laughs> at
2: the right time. That is going
1: to be <laughs> Let's over and over. Go ahead, Pat.
2: (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) I've got the lava um, because the way I saw them kind of start to click with each other, uh, you know, toward the end of the season, like looking at Jihad, like Jihad Shockley, what he was doing with his, you know, he would transfer from wing to top to, to the opposite wing and be able to cut from a wing tramp with his back toward the hoop. I think if you can get that man the ball in the right time, that's going to be so hard to guard. Um, yeah. You have, obviously, Fess. If he comes back, I think that guy at stopper is the real deal. And again, he was one of the guys who had a yeah. little lesser uh, training time than, yeah. than everyone else. He came in a little late. Um, yeah. And then uh, Bryce. You keep Bryce healthy. We haven't seen what Bryce is capable of. You know, he, he has not been 100% since, since the like, early training camp days. So I think if you get those guys really, you know, really gelling together and then you get, you know, contained emotion coaching where it's, <laughs> it's more coaching and, and less, you know, emotional yelling, um, I think, you know, Josh's coaching points will get through and the, the team will kind of uh, be a little bit more of a well-oiled machine.
0: Yeah, I love that. Very well said. Moving on to number one, all of our number one teams. I'm going to go first on this one. I have got the buzzsaw at number one overall. Nice. Finished nice. nine and seven, third place. Now, listen, hear me out on this. Pieces are already there. We talked about this with the slashers. The pieces are already there. Most important position in slam balls, the stopper, right? The buzzsaw have their stopper of the present and the future in Ty Scott. Mm-hmm. I think Ty Scott is going to get better with another season under his belt. I think Michael Kowale is going to come back. I'm one of the only people who saw the buzzsaw offense humming with Michael Kowale in there. I saw what his injury and his loss did to that team offensively. You get Michael Kowale back, you've got to decide, coach. You've got Jamal Barnes, Ralph Bellamy, Malik abdul Um, and, and Coach H, what I will say about him, and I'm not blowing smoke up your butt, Coach H. I'm not doing it. But what I've known Coach H for a long time. I've been coaching slam ball with him since 2001, whenever we started, right? He is an exceptional drafter. He is an exceptional drafter. So as good as the buzzsaw are today, I want you to envision that coach H puts two or three more great pieces into that offense. And I think the difference is going to be that the offense clicks this year because you know what? You can't teach heart and the buzzsaw has got a ton of heart. You can't teach that, but what you can teach is offense. So I think the offense clicks this year. And I think the buzzsaw win coach H his first championship.
1: Wow, I, I'm I'm honored, uh, and I'd like to thank God. Oh, wait, we, I didn't win. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Um, yeah, you got to go play the games now, Coach. I,
1: I am putting the buzzsaw in first place. Now, here's the reason why. You, I know fans, a casual fan, be like, well, you have to because you coach the team. No, no, no. I need my team to love and accept the smoke. Like, we've got to continue to step up. And we do great when our backs are up against the wall. Against the lava, the griffs, we're down, and we come back and we play with such high emotion and with energy that we can overtake a game. But we need to do a better job from the very beginning, and that starts from the head coaching position. I got to get the guys ready, I got to make sure that we are well oiled and tuned, ready to go. Yes, losing Kolo Wally, who I've said this publicly on air on ESPN. And on here on this podcast. He is the heart and soul of our team, was there even when he was not there.
2: Yep. And and, and we need
1: that, right? So we, we I, I do believe. I do believe we have the pieces. We have got to go ahead and put a fire up under our behind and be ready to go every single game. And I have to say, and I and, and I think if we gave we had two more minutes in a slam ball game with the Slashers, years, it would have been even closer. And we only lost by three to go to the championship game. So but that's my challenge to you, saw You better get your saw sharp. Brothers, you better get ready to go, because we're coming. We're coming. I don't know how it's gonna end up. I will fix the offense. You bring the intensity, you bring us up, and listen, all it all it counts, all we need to be at the top at the end of the season. But we're gonna do it with marching orders, and it starts from the top. This guy right here, and I'm gonna take out my sunglasses violently because I mean business. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. That's
2: great. Bat, who you got at one brother? Well, when you bring up Mike Akolawale, I, I, that brings my buzzsaw. Ranking oh, you up for remember sure. now. Oh, Batman. I love Mike. I've talked to him. I've talked to him since he's that. great. I've kept he's, in touch with him. He's, he's phenomenal he's... and a major asset to any team. Uh, yeah. I have, I have mob at one. Um, I think part <laughs> of, uh, yeah, I think part of, like the intangible that the mob has that the other guys don't have as thoroughly is that family vibe. Mm. Those guys would bleed for each other. Like those guys are so locked in. Kirsch, you as a head coach, like you, you got it figured out. I think you're a phenomenal head coach. Hernandez, you too, it, buddy. Don't think you know how I feel right. about you as a coach. It's all right, man. i a picture of you for the locker room. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> 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 but I think. You know, from the top down, you know, you got, you got Kirsch. the way you lead, the way you talk to the guys, the way you put together your offense, phenomenal. Then you have, I mean, you have guys like, like Gage, like Cam Hollins, like yeah. Brandon Simpson that they're going to be like, yeah, you want to put a target on our back? Make it bigger. Let's go. Like they mm-hmm. want that smoke. Same Cam Horton. Like those yeah. guys, I, I think they're going to come back and they want to, they're going to prove it. You know, they, I think they yeah. really are going to come back with that same firepower. We're
0: going to see, because that's what I love about them too, man. Like I'm telling you right now, if we get to keep seven, there's a chance you see the mob just keep seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you throw somebody back when you went 18 and 0?
2: Yeah.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you do that. I don't know. We'll see how it all works out, but. Uh, they are they are fighters, man, and they are the type of dudes that if they have a target on their back, they're like, bring it. I'm the one oh, yeah. that's like, guys, I don't want you to have a target on your back. I'm worried about <laughs> your health and safety.
2: <laughs> <I see laughs> they that, don't mind but it. I see them. They don't care.
0: <laughs> they don't mind it. All right. I appreciate it, guys. This has been an awesome podcast. I know we're a little over time. Pat Graves. You are the man. I cannot even explain to you how much respect that Coach H and I have for you and everything that you brought to the game of slam ball, especially from a safety perspective. Cannot thank you enough. And a creativity and an aerial perspective. Cannot wait to see you again, brother, out on the slam ball court. Coach H, take us out of here, my man.
1: Pat Graves, listen up, man. You are an icon. You are an amazing individual. One day they are going to put a statue of you on a tramp. Jumping super high up in the air at Slam Ball headquarters, wherever that's going.
2: Let's so, listen, go. if
1: you are watching or hearing or listening, which is the same thing to this show, you make sure you follow Flip a Day on Instagram. You take inspiration, motivation from the man, the myth, the legend, Pat Graves. I love you, brother.
2: Love you guys. Let's go. Woo! This is awesome. <laughs>